Hello and welcome to Fast Talk, your source for the science of cycling performance. I'm your host, Chris Case. In today's episode, we've assembled a fantastic group of coaches to discuss the differences, similarities, nuances, challenges of coaching beginner athletes versus veteran amateurs. This episode is filled with myriad topics all related to the coach-athlete relationship, and it starts by defining some terms. What constitutes a beginner or a veteran? Can you be a beginner if you've ridden for 10 years but don't know much about how to train? We will discuss. What should beginners focus on most? What should veterans focus on most? How does a good coach most effectively work to identify each athlete's needs? How can an athlete get the most out of working with a coach, and how does that differ if you're a beginner or a veteran? These questions and so many more today on Fast Talk. Our guest coaches today include Grant Holicky, someone you've heard many times before on Fast Talk. We've also got Melanie McQuaid, former pro triathlete and ex-Terra, world champion turned coach. And finally, Ryan Kohler. Ryan is the former manager of the University of Colorado Sports Medicine and Performance Center. And exciting news here, folks, the new head coach here at Fast Labs. With Ryan on board, we have exciting things coming, so don't miss out. Get our newsletter, sign up at fastlabs.com, and be the first to know what Coach Kohler is up to. Now, get ready to roundtable. Let's make you fast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fast Talk. I'm your host, Chris Case. And we have a special new format for you today. We're going to try a roundtable with some great coaches. We want to talk about the differences, the kind of compare and contrast the relationship you would have coaching a beginner athlete and the relationship you'd have with veteran athletes and amateurs on both sides of that equation. So we've got Ryan Kohler, former director of the University of Colorado Sports Medicine and Performance Center with us. Hey, Ryan. Hi, Chris. We've got Grant Holicky with Forever Endurance, somebody who's been part of the Fast Labs family now for a while. He's got his off-course podcast as well. Welcome, Grant. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for being on the show. And we've got Melanie McQuaid, somebody who's been on our show before, talked about triathlon that time. Melanie is, what are you, a three-time Xterra world champion, longtime coach, longtime pro athlete. Welcome to the program, Mel. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. And we've got uh, dear Coach Connor. I-, I was fully expecting you when you said, we've got some great coaches here to then go, and we've got Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that chance. You really missed out on I that did, one. I did. Coach Connor, you've been coaching people for a while too, right? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of things for a while. It's, <laughs> it's what happens when you get old. <laughs> so... Everybody's been introduced. I kind of want to set the stage here by talking a little about just briefly with each of you on the range of athletes you've worked with. So let's start with you, Trevor. I know your your training or your coaching background is extensive, but give us just a hint of the broad range of athletes you've worked with. Like Mel, I actually started up in Victoria at the the center. So my first experience was really working with athletes that were either pro or about to go pro. Um, and then really switched over towards working with more 
athletes that are doing this for fun, working with masters athletes, and, and that's kind of the space I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Great. And Ryan, I know you have had a pretty diverse background as well. You started with Carmichael Training Systems, if I'm not mistaken. You've been at the Performance Center. You've coached individual athletes. Tell us a little bit more about that range of range of athletes. Yeah, over the years, um, started with uh, Carmichael, like you said. And uh, I remember when I first started, yeah, coaching was quite a bit different then. And uh, I think my uh, athlete load at one time was over 200 athletes per month that I was quote unquote coaching and uh, things have really evolved since then. So uh, that was an interesting way to start. But yeah, over the years, been able to uh, coach, I'd say the vast majority were amateur beginners and then have had some really, you know, really cool experiences along the way and and worked with um, some higher level athletes, um, you know, definitely mostly cycling, triathlon, um, the endurance world. And then I had some cool experiences working with athletes and, um, I had, uh, a, a, a snowboarder that I worked with that was qualifying for Olympic trials, had, um, a, a mountaineer that was doing a speed ascent of Denali. So there were some really cool higher level athletes over the years that have sort of helped to shape, um, you know, how, how I approach things with, with everyone, but primarily the amateur was the, the athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Grant, I know your background. You you you've been coaching amateurs. You've coached triathletes. A lot of swimming coaching in your background. You've coached some national champions on the U twenty three side. Give us a little bit more of a glimpse into your range of range of athletes you've worked with. I got my start coaching in in swimming uh, back when I was a teenager. So everybody I coach in swimming has been an amateur with only a couple exceptions because there's not a lot of professional swimmers, but, um, kind of by nature, um, swimming involves a lot of beginners. Uh, they come to the sport late or they, you know, you're coaching young ages. Um, and then I, I, I moved on and I've been coaching cyclists and triathletes and honestly, just a little bit of everything. I've had the, the good fortune to coach uh, a Paralympic world champion on the bike. So the range is, uh, still, I, I, I have someone I work with now who's in their seventies and they're just training for, uh, cycling tours in Europe. And then I have professional cyclists and triathletes I'm working with as well. Great. And, and Mel, tell us a little bit more about your coaching. My coaching business is Melrad Multisport. And largely because so much of that program is online, the athletes that I coach are either professional or, or veteran, amateur, down to about intermediate. Like I, I actually uh, expect athlete, athletes that are part of my actual coaching program to have a few years of experience. Um, and we can talk about what that means later because I only actually accept beginners to my camps. So I have a Try the Dirt camp, which is an in-person condensed weekend of sort of ex-terra coaching and then I do Melrad Multisport in-person coaching weekends as well and that's the only time I actually work with beginners because I don't feel like um, my online program is as effective for a complete beginner uh, because I feel like especially in triathlon or in cycling in general it's better to have a relationship with a coach in person so my program has professional veteran and intermediate athletes, um, but generally doesn't have any beginners. Uh, And that brings up maybe a a good question to set the stage for each coach's 
philosophy, or at least a, a glimpse into that philosophy about what is the primary difference here between a beginner and a veteran amateur athlete? And Mel, you know, you mentioned wanting to see those beginners, have them in person. Is that just because you, you rapport is so fundamental to the relationship when you're talking about a beginner, whereas a veteran should, you know, have maybe a broader understanding of some of the physiological concepts and, and training concepts down already? The most important thing between a coach and an athlete is communication. And I think that you can be a, let's say somebody is coming from NCAA, you know, athletics, and they decide that they want to be a triathlete, but they've actually like been quite accomplished as an athlete, as a runner, and now they want to turn to cycling or something like that. That athlete has experience communicating how their body is feeling, how they're responding to training, and, 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 and they have a little bit more experience with the training process. Whereas a complete beginner is learning all this stuff from scratch. And, and, and I think that my experience very often is like, like older athletes that find triathlon later in life. And, and some of these athletes don't have any, you know, basic physical literacy. So for me to be uh, programming training around physiology, when really these athletes would benefit really well from some one-on-one -on -one work with a coach learning how to move their body effectively. Um, that's where I think that they're better off with a coach who can watch them more often. And so, so I, I qualify a beginner and a veteran based on, you know, not necessarily having, you know, excellent physical literacy, but just some experience with training um, that, that they then become better at communicating how they're feeling. And, and, and very often, this doesn't mean that veteran athletes aren't prone to like hiding what's really happening. It doesn't mean that they're, they're excellent at being honest. It just means that they, like if I give them, you know, jargon or workouts or whatever, just even like the, the fundamentals of a warm up, a main set and a cool down for some beginners that they, they've never experienced even that. And so when I have a program that is like three camps a year in person and then the rest of it's online, I think that the program can be overwhelming to a beginner to be, to be able to read and understand what I'm delivering and they'll just get less out of it than somebody who has experienced this before and, and knows what to expect and what to communicate back in that kind of a... I would want to hear from Ryan here next. You said at one point you were coaching up to 200 people through Carmichael training systems. I would assume some of those are beginners and that was mostly in an online setting, right? That you're not meeting with these in people in person. So that broader question here, what do you see in that context? What do you see as the biggest difference between beginner and veteran athletes? Yeah, well, at that time when uh, when I had over two hundred people, I didn't know where they were. I didn't know <laughs> if they were beginners or pros or what. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I look at it as uh, you know, from a kind of yeah, this knowledge and understanding standpoint of just, and I think you know, 
Mel bringing up the physical side of it is um, is a perfect example because we see it with, uh, you know, I've been coaching junior athletes for a long time and some of them may have these VO2 max values that are through the roof, but then you watch them do a squat and you just, it, it pains me to watch, you know, when they, <laughs> when they move and they just, you know, they just don't move athletically. So yeah, there's, there's that, that difference of, um, they may be really fit or they may know a lot, but then the other side of it, they may be missing. So, so then they can still be very much a beginner, but, but it's, um, you know, it's sort of almost a, a, yeah, just a sliding scale in a way where they've got certain attributes of, of high physical fitness, certain attributes of maturity, certain attributes of, of, um, how they move. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly, but I try to take in a few different variables like that and, uh, you know, to kind of help see where they're starting. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's, you're in one bucket or the other. You, the, mm -hmm. within the, this spectrum, you could fall into the veteran category in some ways and the beginner category in other ways. It, it, Trevor, would you agree with that? Listening to both Mel and Ryan, really trying to think about how I would define new uh, veteran versus beginner. And I really see it as two things. I, I completely agree with Mel as there's that self-awareness side. Uh, every athlete that I work with, I, I give them this little talk of, uh, my goal as your coach is to get you to the point where you're so self-aware you don't need me anymore, and then hopefully you keep paying me because you like me. To me, that's one of the differences. Uh, somebody can be, have been training for five years and if they don't have that self-awareness, you still have to coach them like they're a beginner. Where I see a veteran athlete as somebody who, who really is aware of themselves, what's effective for them. Physiologically, I would actually define it a little bit differently in that if you're new, just getting on the bike or going out for a run, you're going to get fitter. You don't need a complex... So Mel, Mel was just saying, uh, you know, her whole program would overwhelm a mm -hmm. beginner. And I, I agree with that. When I give a beginner, a, a true beginner, like just starting to train a training plan, it's real simple. Yeah. It's just, I just want you doing time. Right. Don't bike. kill. And yeah. more of it was, is don't go do something stupid. That's going to kill you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they're a veteran and they're getting much closer, hopefully to their peak level that you have to start looking for these little things that's going to give them that little bit more. Grant, anything to add to this discussion about the differences here between beginners and veterans? Well, I think, I, I think some of what we have to talk about, and I think Mel alluded to it a little bit, is when you start talking about something like triathlon too, you have technical components to the sports, right? So I can take somebody who has an unbelievably great background in running or mountain biking or, or, you know, whatever. And we're going to bring them to the sport of triathlon. You got to teach them how to swim. So, and, and swimming is not a sport and I'm a little biased, but it's not a sport where you can just throw more volume at somebody and they're going to get better. They don't get efficient that way. They have to learn certain things. And unless you can have somebody one-on-one, -on -one, that's tough to do. Um, I do think that the, the day and age that we've seen the progression in coaching uh, certainly allows us to do more with beginners because we can see wattage or we can see heart rate or we can see all these things in uploaded workouts. Whereas in the past, we're working completely on perceived effort 
And if, again, as Melanie noted, if somebody does not have a history in sport, they're truly a beginner to sport, they're going to struggle with an idea of perceived effort and what that means. Um, so, you know, this day and age, you know, it, it, it's something like triathlon. And Trevor was kind of mentioning this. You can be both a beginner and a veteran. You can be an incredibly veteran athlete with lots of accolades and high level achievements, but never have swum before. Um, so if you're trying to come to triathlon, you're both a beginner and a veteran. So understanding, you know, we'll say it a lot on this, but understanding the individual athlete is crucial. And yeah, you can't, you can't pitch and hole them and you can't just dump them in simple buckets. Uh, it's going to be different for every athlete. I can speak to that. I did the Fort Collins triathlon a few years ago and embarrassingly. I can, I can only imagine <laughs> that. I embarrassingly discovered halfway through that I could walk faster along the bottom of the pool than I could swim. <laughs> and you well, did I so? Think, I did. Yeah. Good. I, I, think, uh, I think it's a great example. Like Melanie and I, when we started racing uh, Xterra almost at the same time, she could probably, well, not probably, she did lap me most of the mountain bike courses, but, you know, the swimming was my background. So that was the thing that, you know, I could excel at. So when we started our careers um, at the same time, hers was a bit better than mine, if anybody could see, you know, our accolades, but <laughs> everybody, we had to work on our own beginning aspects of what we were doing. Yeah, that's true. And and I, I do like that idea that you um, were talking about with, uh, but I, I, I think I just wanted to touch one more thing on your beginners, like, like taking a cyclist and teaching them to swim. I still think that, that you have two different, two different sort of buckets of people that have been an athlete before, before versus not been an athlete before. Yes. So, so I, I, that, that's, that's the only thing, like there's, there's a total beginner to athletics, which is one of the coolest things. Like one of the things I'm seeing is um, like ladies in their fifties deciding that they want to do a grand fondo, but they essentially have never done anything athletic in their entire lives. So that's a beginner taking on something big and scary and awesome. Right. And, And so Versus like if you had a woman who was a pole vaulter in university who then decides she wants to race grand fondos like when her kids go off to college, that's totally different, right? Like that that person is like has a different level of athleticism and, and you know, it's different. Well, I mean, pole vaulting is kind of a bad example, but let's say they did something <laughs> endurance where they did something endurance in college where they actually have some mitochondria. That person probably needs less of what... Um, like Trevor was saying, which is true, you know, if you just take a, a random beginner who's never done anything, all you have to do is like create some mitochondria for probably five years. Like the rest of it will take care of itself. So you don't need a complicated program. Well, and that's a great, it's a great point um, that Mel's making too. And, and she alluded to this earlier, that brand new athlete needs so much more support in terms of emotional support and um, helping them through those scary things and, and walking them along that path. That's really a huge difference too. I'm, I'm a believer that a lot of people uh, try to get fit or try to get into sport with the best of intentions and they get thrown into it 
too quickly. They start getting these complex plans or they go to some gym and jump into a workout where they're told to do all this stuff they're not ready to do. And it's, it's overwhelming for them. It, it, it's scary. And that's what encourages them to, to not continue. I think he nailed it, you know, and, and this, we, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to this in a little bit, but that's a great point. And, and when you're working with a beginner athlete, one of the most important things you can do is understand the place that they're coming from. And as a coach, and, and if we've worked with these really high level athletes, we turn to a beginner and we're like, oh yeah, they're probably doing 10 hours a week. Now, you know, a beginner might be doing three to four hours a week, two to three hours a week. Their goal might just be getting out the door, literally. So understanding and being able to have that ability to put yourself in their shoes when maybe you've never even been there in your life. You know, I w- I've been a competitive athlete since I was five, but I like to think I can take that step back and 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 say hey okay where are we coming from what have you done tell me about you and then bring myself to that place and say okay what's terrifying about this for them and how do we how do we create the streak right cuz coaching an athlete is about a streak how do we get them every day to be in a do the workout do the workout do the workout cuz that's what creates this want to do more if they start missing days and if they look at a program and it seems overwhelming, they're not going to do the workout at all. You know, a, a veteran athlete may look at a workout and go, whoa, that's too much. I'll back it off a little bit. But a beginner, very likely, they're going to look at something that's over their head and just decide it's over their head and not do it. So that understanding of a beginning athlete and what is going to challenge them, what's going to frighten them and truly understanding where they're coming from is vital. And I had a couple of coach a couple of years ago that said, well, I've had all these new athletes, two or three or four new athletes. And I coach them for about two weeks and then they ghost on me. And what we started to figure out was he was overwhelming them a little bit. And they got into this idea that, oh, I think coaching is a bad idea. It's not for me. This is too much. They think I'm something I'm not. And they just kind of backed out. So really get that background and that understanding of what a beginner needs. And, and you can do wonders with them. Like you said, it's, it's Trevor, it's incredibly fun to coach. Mm -hmm. You just have to give them something that they can handle because they'll get way better really fast. That was really the next line of questioning I had for all of you was what makes a beginner special? You know, what are the challenges you're working with when you're dealing with a beginner? What special needs do they have, but also what makes it fun? Yeah, I think the, uh, I mean, the exciting part with beginners is just the, I mean, the, um, the possibilities that are there. And I think a lot of it is that like they don't know necessarily, or they may have some, some other idea, you know, and, and it's fun because you get to, you know, kind of explore that together with them. And, um, and yeah, like Grant said, uh, you know, seeing what, what work, what they really, what's their vision, you know, finding out like, where do they want to be? And, and, you know, is this like a, what's your one month plan, what's your one year plan, your five year plan, where do you see yourself? And, um, I remember years ago when I, early in my coaching career, we had a a phone call come in from a guy that was, he was in his late forties or right around 50. And, uh, he called in saying, I want to win the yellow Jersey at the tour and, uh, (laughs) no joke. (laughs) And it was, um, another, uh, colleague at the time took that phone call, but it, 
it was a very interesting discussions he had with them. You know, they just don't know. And uh, so, yeah, getting on that journey together to see it, just trying to piece together what their vision is, I think, is a pretty key component mm-hmm. to it. You, you get to be an architect in yeah. that way and, and craft something with that person. Is that... Yeah, yeah, and then it just becomes, you know, it, it, I really try to want to start it off as this this partnership where, you know, I've seen many beginner athletes, you know, come to the table and just say, hey, give me a plan, tell me what to do. And that's like my nightmare because I have no – I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to know what you want and I want to then craft it around, you know, what we come up with together. And, um, yeah, some of the best coaching experiences that I've had over the years are ones where we've gone from beginner – to you know developing this this vision together and then yeah like trevor said it's it's ultimately coaching myself out of being a coach and at some point and more just becoming you know a guide and a friend and and somebody like a resource for them anybody else want to chime in here on this on this topic the special needs but also the fun that that comes with working with a beginner what ryan started talking about it how like being a friend i think I think early on in a, in a coaching relationship, one of the questions I always ask is what an athlete's expectation of the coach-athlete relationship even is. And um, I think with, with beginners, very often just having, like total beginners, very often just having the community of a group is it like it feeds the identity and they, and they learn, they're sponges that learn from the people around them. So obviously you want to pick a good group if you can learn that way. Very often the relationship that I have, whether an athlete is a beginner or a veteran, sometimes they just want to have a person to talk about everything, you know, because, because training always fits around your life. So whether your, your life is devoted to, you know, a world championship or the Olympics, or it's, um, you know, parsed out into work, family, training life, having somebody that can help you navigate that stuff is, is a big part of this. So I think that um, with a beginner, having a coach to help you, you know, understand that it's okay that sometimes you can't get something done because you have other priorities in life or having a coach help you to prioritize the training because it's important to keep it in your life. You know, sometimes you just need to have like somebody help you um, manage your your priorities and commitment. And then and then obviously as a coach, you have to ask that athlete, OK, well, how much of this do you want me to hold you accountable to? You know, if you ha- have any sort of like major issues, you need a real counselor. But a coach is a counselor um, for a lot of this stuff, too. Um, and, th- and then working with with beginners to help them. I, I think what, what I find very often, at least with with some some women is like just giving themselves permission to be athletes even if it's you know not their even if they're not pros you know I think taking that time and saying okay I'm an athlete as well and I need to like protect this time and protect my training and and you know own this I'm, I'm an athlete now and I need to do this stuff and not put other stuff above it I think that's a really important point I think that that self-perception that you are an athlete that, that is definitely, when I start working with a beginner athlete, I, I often get that, well, I'm not an athlete. I'm not an athlete like you, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm just a beginner. And, and getting across them, no, this is part of your identity. Yeah, you're, you're not, I can't believe a beginner came and said, I want to win the yellow jersey. <laughs> right I love that. <laughs> I admire the ambition. Yes. But, I'm assuming he didn't. 
He did also. not. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, but I am going to say that every be- even as a beginner, you should be, if you are training, swimming, running, whatever it is regularly, you, you should see yourself as an athlete. Don't go, I'm not their level. I'm not a real athlete. No, you're a real athlete. Embrace it. Yeah. Trevor, was there something you wanted to add to this? Yeah, so I'm going to, this is going to get a little philosophical. I hope I can explain this, but think going back to what you were saying about what, what are the fun parts of this? I think fun is really important. What I'm going to say is for beginners, it's very important that it's fun. For experience, for veteran athletes, it's very important they don't forget the fun. So maybe best to explain this with an example I have a, a couple college buddies that I'm getting on Zwift once a week with who are just getting into this, just getting into cycling. They're having a ton of fun. I, I get on Zwift once or twice a week with them. They do practically everything wrong in terms of their training. <laughs> but they're having fun. But they're having fun. They're getting stronger. They're losing weight. So the worst thing I could do would be to start going you're doing the wrong thing. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Do these intervals because that will strip the fun out of it. And I look at it as at some point, they're probably going to plateau, stop improving. At that point, they might ask me for some advice and I'll I'll try to help them. But I think the most important thing right now is for them to have fun. And they're now on Zwift Power. They're looking at all this gear for Zwift. (laughs) They just, they're loving it. Don't don't let a beginner lose that. Let them have the fun when it's easy to improve. But I have seen in veteran athletes, once they decide to get serious, they go, okay, now it's hard training. Now I have to be out doing intervals and all their rides stop being fun. And I've seen cases where athletes quit because they lose that fun side. So when I am working with veteran athletes who are very motivated, very serious, sometimes instead of giving them another interval workout, I'm like, Go get on your mountain bike. Go have some fun. You know, just I, I have to keep reminding them, keep this fun. Don't forget that. Right, right. Go do something stupid. Yes. Very good. I like that. Let's uh let's turn our attention now to some veteran athletes, some veteran amateur athletes. What makes them special? What are the challenges of working with veteran athletes? And what makes it fun to work with veteran athletes part of what makes veteran athletes fun is they they kind of know what they're doing or they know themselves to an extent right they may not know themselves in the the type of program you're going to give them or maybe they've switched sports and they don't know themselves yet in that sport but they have an idea of what it is that they like what they don't like and you know we kind of alluded to this a little bit yeah when we were talking about the beginner athlete, but there's a difference between a trainer and a coach, right? You know, a coach is somebody who's going to be there along the way. The coaches in the room here are coaches. We like the interaction with those individuals. So understanding and, and being open and, and listening to what that veteran athlete is bringing to the table about what it is that they like, what it is that they've had success with, what it is that they enjoy, and then creating a program that you know, maybe you don't agree with everything they've done in the past, and maybe you see a very obvious path to them improving, but how do you keep that touchstone for them so they feel comfortable? Is there something they're bringing to the table that you can learn from as a coach? 
I think that's some of the fun with a veteran athlete is that they they have a lot to bring to the table and 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 what we all can glean out of that is is really cool. So this is a requirement every time we have you on the show to make fun of him. Is there anything fun about working with Mac Chance? <laughs> well, I almost well, no, I almost brought this up when you were talking about reminding professional uh, you know, veteran athletes to have fun. That's a big piece to Mac Chance, right? And and you know, when he signed his first road contract to be a professional road rider, that was something he lost. And I think he would really uh, come back to that and, and say, yeah, I started trying to do too much. I started to only build my life around cycling and I stopped enjoying the sport of cycling. So yeah, less about making fun of Max, but you know, almost exposing him here. Uh, he did win single speed world championships and wear a speedo for a lap of fundraiser. So exposing Max yeah, Chance exposing. is not something we have to worry about. <laughs> uh, but I do think that he's a great example of an athlete that has to have a smile on his face, almost has to have fun while he's racing. And if he doesn't, he's not as good as who he not as good as he could be. I remember you, Grant, actually saying much the same thing about you having to have fun, getting on a start line, reminding yourself to have fun, talking with the guys that you regularly race with because that's why you're there. It's about about the camaraderie, the, the community, all of that. And so you're having to do that with yourself. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think that's that's a huge point um, that that maybe all of us should switching back to the beginner line, keeping it fun for beginners as they start to train, because that's something that I lost when I was a swimmer growing up. Swimming is so black and white. It if you go fast, you're successful. You go slower in your best time, it's unsuccessful. And I really carried that into everything that I did when I raced triathlon. To me, I was stressed all the time when I raced triathlon. I'd go to the line feeling like I had to, I had to, I had to. And I almost trained myself to, to get to this place where I remembered that when I went to the line, I went to the line to be around the people I was around. And so I would envision the race and envision the start and envision the things that made me smile. And a lot of times suffering makes me smile. Like I'm a bit odd in that way. I think a lot of athletes are. But what about it makes makes it that way. You know, I, I talked to some veteran athletes about remember to find your dog with your head out the window moment. <laughs> and they'll, they'll look at me like I'm crazy. And it's just that moment where your head's hanging out the window, your tongue's hanging out, your cheeks are flapping and you're just going, <laughs> yeah. And usually that comes in the hardest part of the race, but that's one of the best parts of racing. Yeah. I think that that fun aspect is a pretty key uh, thing to maintain, you know, and we we talked about it with beginners and then the, uh, but the veterans, it almost seems like as they progress to become a veteran athlete, it's, it's maintaining that. Yeah. I think, you know, you look at some of the most elite athletes in the world and, and you, you know, they enjoy what they're doing. And like Grant said, they enjoy that, that competition and they enjoy the pain, you know? And I remember um, a number of years ago, um, we were out in, uh, California at Benelli for one of the pro XCT races. And this was one of the years when, um, everybody was excited because Nino Scherter was showing up to the line. So, you know, everyone, everyone wanted to race against him and see how long they could hang on before he lapsed them. But, um, I remember that it, it stuck with me. It was a particularly neat experience because I was coaching a team of, of, uh, juniors and U23s at the time. 
And uh, some of the kids that were racing in the pro field were really interested in this. But, um, you know, it was interesting standing right on that line and we're waiting, you know, we're in that the last 30 seconds before they, you know, send everybody off. And of course, Nino was right on the front. And um, I remember looking at, you know, the nervousness and everybody's gripping their bars and you can see some people are moving nervously and waiting for that go. And uh, it just, it was really cool. In the last three seconds, I remember looking at Nino's face and this smirk popped across his face and he was the only one on the front line that did it. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, right there I knew like, he is going to kill it today because he loves what he does. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, he's going to nope. kill it. But um, he was the only one on the front line. Like His level of readiness was so high, but he was also there to enjoy himself. And, and of course, he performed as expected. But, but the way he stood out was something that we were able to then you know, talk about with the, the racers after and say, hey, like, pay attention to that because that's a pretty key thing. Like You know when you're enjoying it, that's, like, that's your heart and your passion that, that you're putting into it. Mm. The most vivid example I've ever experienced of this as a coach was I was coaching this. When I was coaching CSU, I was working with this one athlete there who got second at road nationals, collegiate road nationals. The following year, he was at Tour of the Gila, raced the amateur. So they have a pro race and then they have a Cat 1-2 amateur race. Won the amateur race and two weeks later quit cycling for good. <laughs> And we had a, a talk about it, and he described to me standing on the podium at Gila, looking around, all these pictures being taken, and just said, this isn't fun for me anymore. This is too serious. Well, that was a very good thing that he did quit this sport, yep. because why force it, honestly? If he felt empty up there, then why was he doing it? You know, you spend yep. a lot of time riding your bike to get to the level to win Gila. If that's not fun, then probably not not that's... good for you to do it. I just I describe uh, Xterra versus let's say like an Ironman event is that it's first you against the course and so it's a little bit easier to dissociate yourself from the actual competition with other people because first you have to basically get yourself from start to finish and that's a little more challenging technically um, and a little more more unpredictable um, from a weather and terrain standpoint than than potentially any road triathlon would be and that and that is is a good way to keep your own focus on your own performance uh so that I, like i have personally as an athlete realized how xterra was really good for for focus management because as soon as you start thinking about other people racing you're not thinking about the single track and you're like riding off the course right <laughs> you're, so, you're on the ground yeah but i actually have a question i want to ask all of you because i have heard coaches say or some coaches say that when you are dealing with uh new riders that you just need to tell them what to do and tell them to shut up because they don't know how to train so they they need to be told how to train right but i've also heard some coaches say that with veterans they need to tell them what to do and tell them to shut up and just do it. Because as you were pointing out, they've probably been training a certain way for a long time and they're going to go back to what they are used to. And it's hard for them, some of them to change. So they just need to be given a plan and said, told, shut up, do this. How do all of you feel about that? Is there a point, or, or, whether beginner or, or veteran, where you, as a coach, need to be telling the athlete, here's the plan, do it, don't question it? Uh, you know, I personally, 
have a hard time with that across the board. I don't think there's longevity in that. You know, I, I had an athlete tell me recently when they were, when we were talking about starting a relationship that, that they were told, yeah, I've kind of been told by a bunch of people, there's a five year time frame for a coach athlete relationship, and then it's time to move on. And, and I was kind of personally blown away uh, by that because I couldn't feel more differently. I, you know, <laughs> my wife's a dietitian, and she always says, this is why fad diets don't work. If you're all in and you have no chance to, to ever do anything differently, eventually you're going to crack. And, and so I think it's kind of the same thing with coaching. I think that you, you can't just tell a beginner to shut up and do what they need to do. Cause we, we documented what could be pitfalls with that earlier. But I think when you do that with a, a veteran athlete, you're, you're purposely ignoring things that may be very, very important to them um, that they glean confidence from that they're able to use to, understand where they are how they're getting better you know you got to understand who the athlete is but you also got to understand who you are as a coach we talked a lot actually about this coach athlete relationship back in a previous episode where we had neil henderson on as a guest we had rebecca rush on as a guest and we're touching upon it obviously we were going to how important the it's a two-way street Everybody in this room is saying that there's there are probably some coaches that will absolutely deliver that plan and, you know, stick to it or I'm firing you as an athlete. But everybody here is saying it's a two way street. It is a quote unquote relationship, not unlike a marriage or a boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever the situation. It's a relationship. So communication is key. Uh, Back and forth is key. Compromise at times is probably key for making it a healthy and long-term relationship yeah and actually the the word i'll add is is trust and grant i think i've heard you say this too but if there's no trust in that relationship it's not a good coaching athlete relationship yeah 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 no you're in trouble for sure maybe there's some pro athletes out there that it's their job they're not a lot don't think don't do it do this weigh your pasta move on you know but that's not who we're talking about here. We're not talking about, we're talking about veteran amateurs too, right? High level achieving amateurs. Most of the time they've got kids or they've got a significant other, they've got a partner, they've got a job, they have all these things that they have to deal with. You know, they have to be shown the ability by their coach to have some flexibility or they don't think they can have any flexibility. And I think one of the things, and I, it wouldn't be a show with me on it if I didn't bring this up. I don't think we can talk about an athlete's uh, load without discussing their load in life. You know, they may be, you may be looking at their CTL on training peaks and go, wow, they're plus 10. Uh, they should be fine next week and totally disregard the fact that they had an 80 hour work week or their kid graduated or they had to move their kid to college. I mean, you have to understand those things whether it's a beginning athlete or a veteran athlete. And I think, you know, we, we talked about this, but veteran athletes really often take that stuff off the table and say, I shouldn't have to worry about that because I'm a veteran. I'm high level, this and that. And some, a lot of times I think it's up to the coach to put it back on. Well, I'd, I'd like to add something to that too. In that, um, you know, with this whole, like you, you're saying 
professional athletes that have a coach that just tells them what to do and they just be quiet and do the program. And, and, and if it comes down to trust, then, okay, this professional athlete has chosen this coach and let, let's, let's just investigate why that athlete chose that coach. Very often it's because that, that coach got results with somebody else. Now I'm just going to make very unpopular for coaches observation that you can just be effing lucky that you got this incredibly talented person that succeeded while you spent six months with them, right? It may, may have been the coach that worked with them as a junior for 12 years before they moved to your program. And then all of a sudden they make the Olympic team, but the latest coach actually gets the credit for that athlete's success. So really good coaches that are recognized are very often recognized because they actually had the, 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 great fortune to work with a really talented athlete. And so it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they develop that athlete. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to continue to get amazing results with all the athletes after the fact. They were just really good at marketing that athlete. Okay, I'm just going to keep prefacing with that. Then you get a program where you have a, a coach that potentially had a talented athlete, and then they create a program. And then that program is like a military style. Okay, you're going to do 30 hours a week, every week in this group of 15. That's very comp like competitive. And we'll just see who succeeds in that program. And so you take like somewhere between 15 and 20 athletes. And maybe the one that was successful to start with is also the only one that's successful under that program. And so you come, come into this program. You haven't said a word. You've been doing something that's gotten you injured six times in six years. Um, and you're not allowed to question or talk about or say anything about this program that's being crammed down your throat. So I, I just feel like very often if you have a coach that's just saying to you, I don't really care what you're saying, you've probably got a crap coach. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. I'm sorry. Because no. Yeah. no matter what level of experience you are, whether you're a veteran or a beginner, if you're saying something is hurting, that should matter. You should be Absolutely. able to like communicate all this stuff. So Absolutely. And I don't think, sorry to interrupt. I don't think for anybody in the room, this is an unpopular opinion. You're preaching and we're all saying amen. So keep at it. <laughs> so, and then, so then if we, if we carry on a little bit about like this talking with, with your coach and, and being a veteran athlete who needs to communicate, there's like, like if you take an extreme example there's there's kind of like two different fiber types right you get the sort of like and it's always somewhere in between these two ends of the spectrum but you have the sprintery i'm just going to simplify this for the audience you have the sprintery like like fast twitch type fiber type and then you have like the endurance slow twitch type fiber type everybody's somewhere in the midst of that and what works for an athlete that has more of that sort of sprinter physiology is far different than what works for somebody with like more of a slow twitch physiology. It's up to the coach to figure out what kind of physiology this person they're working with has. If you're going to start working with a veteran athlete, it, they should probably know. And it is astonishing to me that I work with professional athletes that don't know. Because their coaches haven't been talking about, okay, this is what we're doing. This is why. 
And so they don't even understand, oh, you know what? I was a miler in university. I have fast twitch fibers. I can't do long runs with a whole bunch of moderate work because I break versus like somebody who's like me. Okay. I'm a, I'm a friggin' draft horse. You can put as much intensity into a program as you want and I'll just absorb all of it and never be really that fast. Right. So that like, you should know by that point but if you work with a coach that's like that that's not listening to you and not explaining to you then you're never going to get that and and unfortunately you're never going to achieve your potential because you it's all any coach that says that they work with somebody and they know exactly what's going to work right now is a liar every program is an experiment let's see what happens if we do this because Unless you are the person that is actually doing the program, you can't be 100% sure what's happening because you can't really feel it. So every coach that says, I know exactly what we're going to do is a total liar. I'm sorry, because you have to go and try something and see and communicate and work through it and see what happens and test it and then either decide to continue down that road or change course because you've just made a mistake. And and so I, I think that, some athletes come in like, especially beginners come to a coach and think that, oh, they've coached a world champion. So they're God and they know exactly what's going to happen and exactly the right program for me. And that's their guru. And that's the wrong way to approach this. Like a, a coach is somebody who's going to basically do a human experiment on you. And you should be really sure that you feel comfortable talking to that person and trusting that person to listen to what's happening, because that's the quickest way to get to where you want is there a difference when you start working with a beginner athlete versus working with a veteran athlete in terms of understanding what they need to work on or how you're going to train them? What's that initial assessment like? Is it different or do you do the exact same thing, whether it's a conversation or a questionnaire or a, or a combination of those things to understand who that athlete is and their needs? For me, this is the biggest difference between working with a beginner versus a veteran. When I am working with a veteran, it is really a conversation. I really want them to take ownership of putting their plan together. So I see myself more as a guide. It's the double checking on them saying, how fatigued are you? Because veterans can be really bad about ignoring that and wanting to train harder. So getting them to to recognize that. When we talk about the training, they know what works for them. They know, and again, this is how I define veteran. It's that self-awareness. So they know what does and doesn't work. And if you as a coach ignore that, you're you're losing out on something fundamental in, in the training. So I definitely don't want to give them the just do this and, and shut up. It's, it's a conversation. And with the veteran athletes I work with, we, we get on the phone every week and talk about what do we want to do this week? What, what works for you? With beginners, it's a little more, take a step back and just say, training is counterintuitive. Effective training is counterintuitive. When you get on the bike and you're, or when you start training and you're brand new, the general mindset is, I'm going to go and go really hard mm-hmm. and just keep increasing my volume. And that's going to make me the strongest person in the world. And you have to get a little bit out of that mindset. So with a beginner, again, the trust part is important, but it's much more a, I need you to trust me. I need you to try something that's going to feel counterintuitive for you but I want you to try it to see what happens. 
and, and hope that they will trust you to give that a try. And I've worked with some beginners who just won't trust me and will just keep going back to what they were doing. And those are the athletes I go, I'm sorry, I can't, can't work with you. Mm-hmm. I guess to, to follow up and stay with you just for a second, Trevor, do you do any type of actual testing whether on the road or in the lab, to get a sense of who this athlete is? Or do you take their word for it? I personally find it more valuable with veteran athletes because that's usually when you're doing much more sleuthing to try to figure out where are the holes, where are the gaps, what are the things that we need to work on, what sort of specific training do we need to do to, to get them that, that extra little bit. Again, with amateurs, or sorry, not amateurs, but brand new cyclists or brand new athletes, pretty much everything helps to, to a degree. So you don't need to be doing that specialized, tailored program. It's much more just about teaching them how to train right. Yeah. So, so Ryan, going back to that time when you're dealing with 200 clients, you're not sure who these people are that are at Carmichael. And same thing, uh, you know. Or maybe in contrast to that, at the performance center, someone walks in the door. You have no idea who they are. What was your process like to determine, you know, are they beginner? Are they veteran? Where is their, what, is their, what are their capacities? What are their weaknesses, strengths, that sort of thing? What was your process? Testing would be one component of that. And I think that would – the nice thing about that is when, it, when you do test someone and give them that initial assessment, um, you can kind of get a sense for their – their level of understanding and and um, just their knowledge around training and the process. I mean, you can see how they approach a testing session, whether it's in person, outdoors, and I think it opens up the opportunity for um, that discussion to go a little bit deeper. And especially then with beginners, you know, one of the things that I see is um, just that that self that self awareness, that inner sense, like what are the sensations going on in my body? How do I feel? You know, after if I do a field test or a lab test, or I just go out and do my very first ride and go up Flagstaff and realize just how much climbing that is, whatever it is, um, you know, getting them to go through that discussion of, well, what should it feel like? What are these sensations that we could talk about? You know, if they, if they have a heart rate monitor, what did you see happening? And, um, getting them in tune with, with that, with their bodies like that. Um, and I think, you know, going to a veteran, they have a a little bit better understanding, uh, typically of what, um, what's going on and they can usually describe those things a little bit better. I think one of the challenges with veterans then is, and I think Trevor alluded to this a bit too, is, um, you know, they have some things that they know worked or didn't work and, and, um, or they may just be, uh, on the same path that they've been on for a while. So sometimes it's getting them out of those habits, you know, and, and I think regardless of beginner or veteran, um, you know, just with now that we have so much, so much data and technology available, um, when I'm starting off with someone, I always like to try and bring it back to those basics of like perceived effort and see, well, what's your understanding of, yeah, how you feel in re- relation to this workout or this training plan, or, um, like Trevor said, how, how fatigued are you, you know, g- getting them to start to get a subjective sense of their progress, um, before jumping in, uh, to more of those objective pieces. And yeah, if there's, you know, if I can do something in person, I think that's hugely helpful across the board. I mean, I think with beginners, we would have expectations of, 
um, you know, how they would perform if we just saw them, you know, if, if they went for a run and we, we saw them, how they move or they hopped on the bike and we could see their skill level. I mean, we can have some expectations there, but then it at least gives us um, that opportunity to develop, uh, you know, the process with them and what's the game plan look like from that point. You know, and I think with, um, with veterans too, you know, seeing them, if you have, if you're able to, you know, if they're local and you can see them go to a race, great. That's awesome to just watch them, you know, in competition. And, um, you know, so I think that in person, uh, anything you could do to, to just see them in person is vastly important too. I wanted to sort of, at this point, turn things around a little bit. And, you know, we've got presumably some beginner athletes listening. We've got some veteran athletes listening out there. From all of the coaches gathered here today, I want to know your advice to those people listening out there, what they can do to be the best athlete. I, I think of this in terms of the a, a medical scenario, the analogy being the doctor and the patient have to work together to, to figure out the diagnosis. If the patient goes in and doesn't really say what the symptoms are or can't really um, describe what's going on, what they need, what they want, what's, what's hurting, etc., then the doctor has not enough information to work with and it makes it more challenging to have that doctor-patient relationship be a successful one. I feel like a coaching athlete experience and relationship is, is, um, has much the, uh, much the same type of dynamic. So the question is, what is the most important thing? What are the few most important things a beginner can do to make the coaching experience a success? Same thing with that veteran athlete. Maybe I'll start with you, Grant. You kind of hit the nail on the head with that analogy, at least in, in my book. You know, one of the things that we tell patients when they go see a doctor now is have a list of questions, write them down, make sure you have them available to you so you can ask. The coach athlete relationship, especially amongst beginners, often is seen as a power gap. The coach has all the knowledge. The beginning athlete has no knowledge. So I'm just not going to say anything. and I'm going to listen to everything that they say. You know, I think it's so important to be honest with what your goals are. Uh, don't go to a coach that's coached world champions and be very, very embarrassed that your athletic goal is to complete a sprint triathlon and lose 10 pounds. There's nothing wrong with that goal. That goal is your goal and that goal needs to be important. And if it doesn't work with that coach, you should find a different coach because as everybody here has talked about, that relationship's not going to be effective because what they've done with somebody else isn't going to work for you. So a real honesty in what it is that you want and a real honesty in what it is that you need. What kind of support do you need? Do you need the co coach conversation every week or do you not? Um, I think those things are absolutely crucial and you need to have that understanding. And then for the veteran athlete, it's the same, but with a little bit of a, a, a change, you still have to have that honesty. You still have to have that ability to um, say what it is that you want. But with a veteran athlete, 
you really have to be able to provide, this is what I can give. I can give one hour a day. That's it. I know I'm a veteran athlete, but I can only give you seven hours of training in a week. And while that's really, really important for a beginner too, most uh, good coaches with a beginner aren't loading a ton of volume on them. You know, veteran athletes, we tend to think they can handle more volume. So that honesty, that setting of goals together with a coach, and then I think both Ryan and Mel said it, the ability to reevaluate those goals if something's going wrong. I really love what Mel was saying earlier about coaching as a human experiment. It really is. And if you're doing it the right way, everybody buys in, they commit fully for a period of time, you analyze the results. If the results aren't what you want, you go back to the drawing board and you come up with something new. And, um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, maybe talking about is when is it important to end those relationships when one party or the other isn't willing or isn't able to try something different. That's probably when it's time to end the relationship. Whether it's a veteran or a beginner, um, the way that I preface any relationship is that my job as a coach is to offer direction and advice and ultimately the decision as to whether or not the athlete follows that advice is up to them. So if I'm coaching somebody who's a professional athlete who's holding me accountable to their results at a race, I'm going to be firmer with the advice on what we do coming up to it. Ultimately, it's always their choice, but I'll be like, this is the decision we should make in terms of whether or not you do this session, whether or not you travel on this day, whether or not you prioritize this, because the what's coming, this race, is of a higher priority for you because you're a pro. With the beginner, there's a lot, I generally think that, that that athlete needs to have a lot more rope to not follow advice and make mistakes. Because otherwise, they don't get to learn from, from make, doing the wrong thing. They don't get to learn from, like, doubling the volume for a week and, you know, dying, right? So you have to give them a chance to say, okay, like test whether or not that advice was any good, right? And so over time, if they continue, like, I mean, you also have to be, have some flexibility as a coach to just see that they're not following any of your advice, um, which, you know, I, I have experienced that or, or you have athletes that want to, um, like that you feel pretty strongly that the direction that they want to go in is going to require some technical changes, right? So like, th this is a difficult conversation to have with people. Like you, you aren't running correctly. Um, you don't know how to run. You want to race an Ironman down the road. You're probably not going to be able to run without injury um, if you don't change things. But, you know, you've had running injuries in the past because you don't run correctly. So having them basically go through a process of changing something which may result in like some you know pot potentially pain and injuries while you're changing things um is a real thing but ultimately i always allow empower that athlete to make their own decisions and then come back to me you know i'll be i'll be accountable to you know being responsible for making mistakes for sure and owning all those uh but I think that's how you have to have the relationship be is that all I can offer is advice in what I think is going to happen and qualify why I think it's going to happen. But ultimately, depending on, on how important 
training and racing is in your life, you have to empower that person to make their own decisions. Yeah. And I think with the, the veteran, um, athlete, it seems like it is that, yeah, just that qualification of, of having that resource to, to look toward. And, um, you know, some, some of the longer coaching relationships I've had over the years that have, you know, with now, uh, veteran athletes, um, it is, it's, it's more of when we make a decision, um, sometimes it's them making the decision and then me just validating it or not and putting, giving them additional input. And, and it really comes down to us making the decision together. Whereas with a beginner athlete, it might be a little bit more, a little bit heavier of me suggesting, you know, what that decision could look like with their input. So I think just that level of input from the athlete becomes more and more crucial as they develop too. I think one of the hardest things to do as a coach, but what can lead to some of the best moments is as part of that education process, when you see the athlete make a bad decision and you let them make that decision because <laughs> they need to learn what happens when they go down that road. And your job as a coach is to be at the end of that dead end and go, here's why you don't want to go down this road. That and sounds like learned. parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. think that's been the hardest thing for me as a coach to yeah. to do is to I like that's one thing I would watch Hushang just watch athletes just do the dumbest things all the time and I would be like why are you not intervening and he'd just be like sh he just like shrug his shoulders like these are young athletes they they have to be free to make these mistakes um and to learn from it and and He's just like infinitely more patient than I am. Um, Hushang Amiri is the coach in Victoria that yeah. Trevor and I always go on and on about. Um, because I just, and I just find that he's so centered and calm and confident. And I mean, he's just like, he's like your the ultimate dad. He's going to let you go out and make the mistake. And then he's going to like pick you up and dust you off and like wipe your tears and send you off on your way again. And, and uh, like trying to cultivate more of that patience with people who like sometimes I, I just in the past would just get really frustrated that potentially I wasn't communicating why I was right right and now I don't need to be right anymore right yeah. but you know what I, I I'm sure you guys can relate to this oh like, it's well I said what, <laughs> but but now I'm just like okay this is the best advice I can offer you and and just allow them to go and, and do those things and just be ready with the band-aids when, when it's necessary. I guess an, another, to, to switch gears here, another topic that I'd really be interested in hearing from all of you on is this, this um, expectation set around progress. When you start working with a beginner athlete, comes in, wants, I don't know if that, athlete that wanted to uh, win the yellow jersey was a beginner or a veteran. But regardless, how do you set expectations with a beginner? And how do you set expectations with a veteran? They're going to progress at different rates. There might only be 2% left on the table for a veteran that you start working with. There might be 100% left on the table with a beginner. And the timeline for each is could be radically different. So how do you make the call on that? And what, how do you express that to them? Tre Trevor, I'll start with you this time. So since we've been talking about Hu Shang, I'll share 
uh, story about actually my very first conversation ever with Hu Sheng, where he sat down with me, uh, just arrived at the center, and he asked me what my goals were. And I told him, and he said, no, not this year. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I have to do it this year. And he just went, no. Two years from now, yes. This year, you get worse. And I just could not accept that. I said, whatever it takes, I want to accomplish that goal this year. And sure enough, that, that year, that first year, was not a good year for me. The next year, I was at a whole different level. And what Hu Sheng taught me, which I fully didn't get at the time and was very frustrated by, was that there are certain improvements that take time. And as a matter of fact, to achieve those improvements in the short run, you have to get worse. And this is something that I have seen that a lot of new athletes do, that uh, some coaches do, that is in the long run a mistake, is they discover, hey, if you do a whole bunch of high intensity, you see improvements really quickly. But as, as we've talked about, you plateau really quickly too. The big improvements that really raise your level over time take a long time. And some athletes find it hard and some coaches find it hard to show the patience to say, I'm going to stop doing that little trick to get the quick bump and actually try to progress over time. And that's hard. That's really hard to do. Could, could, can you put numbers on this at all? Can a, could you say, oh, a beginner, you're, you're, you're fresh to this sport. I can get you to a place where you can finish your first century ride in six months or eight months. Can you, do you ever talk in those terms or do you avoid that as much as possible? As a coach, the way you measure whether or not you're successful is you ask them to set process goals that are measurable. And then you, you know, outline what those goals are for a season and then at the end of the season you go back and you look like I, I know lots of like in the past I, I've wor I'd work with coaches where we'd set all these goals and we'd never have a discussion <laughs> as to whether or not we did any of those things and and I, I've actually had athletes that um, I had one athlete that I worked with who was um, and I think I worked with her for like two years and she could find the negative in everything positive all the time. Like she won the national championships for half distance or whatever. And she said the only reason she won was because it was hot, you know, and it's just like weird things like you, she couldn't own any success. And, and when she left, I went back and said, okay, well, Hey, these were your goals for the year, you know, podium at nationals, this amount of wattage, this kind of like consistency, whatever. And, and I just wrote her a letter and said, these were the things that you wanted to accomplish this year. These are the things that you accomplished. You had an awesome season and it's been awesome working with you. You know, and, and after the fact, she was like, wow, I had no idea because athletes can get so focused on the next that they, they miss the fact that they've actually gone from point A to point B. And as a coach, it's really important for you to help them benchmark because it can get, because it's, it's a never ending process, ideally, of improvement. And so you can basically become overwhelmed or, or just frustrated with the amount of time it's taking to make change. And, and because it happens so slowly, you don't recognize that change is happening. And so it's important as a coach to keep going back and, and say, hey, you started here and we're now here. So you, you have to make sure that you have 
a solid case when you go back to this athlete to say you've gotten better. Because if you just say, oh, well, you look better, you have a tan, that's really not enough to tell them that they got better, right? You need to like say, okay, yeah, you went outside and rode a lot. You have a weird cycling tan and your FTP or your 20 minute power has gone up 30 watts. That's helpful, right? That's objective and something that they can't really refute. So I, I think that that's the whole point of these process goals over an outcome goal, which is, you know, I wanted to, let's say it's national championships and there's a pandemic and the nationals doesn't happen. So then all of a sudden that's that athlete season has been a complete waste. Whereas if the whole process was, I want to improve my one minute power by 2% and then my 20 minute power by, you know, 3%, these are the numbers that we think are realistic we did both of those things. If the nationals had happened, we would have put ourselves in a place of being successful. It's been a great season and we stayed motivated all year. So, so that's, that's really like how you make sure that your, your experiment is working and, and you can, you can further enhance that trust with an athlete that they know that you're, you're keeping track as a coach of this process, because that's your job. Like definitely there's a lot of athletes that will be constantly pouring over the charts on training peaks or whatever. But in general, as a coach, your job is to make sure that this experiment is working. And so you have to continually be justifying your methods by, you know, benchmarking and, and testing them. And so I think that some sort of testing for athletes that have numbers and, and, you know, you know, real things that they're trying to accomplish, those athletes require that kind of reinforcement. And certainly I have athletes that are just training to be fast in a group ride and they just want to feel good and, and they don't actually care to test or they don't have power and they don't care about any of that stuff. They just want to be able to show up at any ride with any person and be one of the fastest climbers that nobody expected them to be fast. They're like sleeper fast people. And, and that's cool too, but they don't want to do, they don't really want to test other than me just giving them something scary to do on a day because it's motivating. Right. So you get all sorts, but certainly no matter what, as a coach, your job is to make sure they're a not getting injured. So it's an appropriate loading and B they're moving forwards and you can prove that to them. Ryan, you had something. Yeah, I think just with those comments are great, and I think they highlight the um, the value of of a coach because as as coaches we have some expectation of how things should progress, and I think like like Grant said, yeah, I'd be wary of someone who said, oh, you're gonna, yeah, you can do your first marathon in six, you know, with my six week training plan, um, you know, but it's but we have an expectation generally of what are the what are those goals along the way? What yeah, what benchmarks do you need to hit? And and, um, and that's really where the, that value of that third person comes in to, you know, oversee it and give you that guidance to say, yeah, we're, we're on track. This looks good. And, oh yes, with, you know, six more months of training when you have your century, your first century coming up. Yeah. I think you could be successful. And, um, you know, it's, you know, with my background in nutrition too, I always find myself with that little bias of, okay, they're doing all this physical work and I want to make sure early on, you know, I get them thinking about those other things that might happen of, of well, did you completely, you know, forget your, uh, to make a nutrition plan? And then you go out there and you have all this great training and fitness, but then it falls apart because you didn't bring enough food or something. Um, making them aware of, 
you know, just other variables that are out there on that day. You know, I mean, I think the Leadville 100 is a great example where you can go to that line with the best preparation, the best nutrition, but then the weather, the, you know, 90,000 other riders around you at the start can, uh, can change your day pretty drastically. So, you know, that's really, yeah, what the coach is there for too, is to help just compile all of those and, and uh, help set those expectations and, and keep them, just keep everything in check as you go along. That's a, that's a really good final thought there. Uh, I think it should take us into our take-home messages. These 60-second segments, we'll start with Ryan today. What, uh, what do you think the most important messages from this episode as a whole, the coaching relationship between beginner and veteran athletes? Um, I think, you know, across the board, beginner to veteran is, um, you know, as an athlete, when you're working with a coach, just um, being as open as possible to start with. And um, that'll help to really cultivate the relationship, um, you know, and then and coming into it, just having some idea of like what, what drives you, what motivates you, um, what allows you to just, yeah, have fun with it. I think the whole, you know, love what you do and, and do what you love sort of you know, thing applies here pretty well. And I think if you just bring, um, whatever that, uh, that passion is and, and, you know, passion or concerns or, um, things that scare you about moving forward in the relationship, if, if you just bring those all to the table, uh, with a coach, and I think that gives you a, a good chance at developing a nice relationship. One thing that I think is super important for athletes to understand is that, you know, we keep talking about this, uh, coach athlete thing as a relationship, you know, ending that relationship is going to be a lot like a breakup. But one of the things that I, I hope and I want athletes to understand is if it's not working for you, I don't know very many coaches that are down to continue that relationship. So making sure that you're speaking up, making sure that you're saying, hey, I need something different. And if nothing changes, be willing to end the relationship. Coaches, every coach on the planet has been dumped before. We can handle it. And uh, it's more about the athlete and the athlete getting what they want than the athlete being worried about whether the coach is going to get offended or upset or anything along those lines. If it's time for a change, let's start with this. If you need something different, speak up, say you need something different. But if it's time for a change, make that change, be distinct, be clear, and move on. Trevor, I'll throw it to you. Uh, I get to take a minute and a half just because I want to use a quick story to to make this point. I'll give it to you this time. So here is how I instantly know a brand new cyclist is I go out for a ride with them and we're riding side by side. And every time we hit a little hill, they hit that hill at 500 watts. (laughs) They just pound up that hill. And I ultimately end up explaining this to him because it just annoys the hell out of me, having them drop me on every single little hill. So I'll explain, look, you just want to go same effort. You don't want to hit every hill as hard as you can hit it. And they go, okay, I get it. And then we get to the next hill, and now they hit it at 450 watts. And eventually I just have to go, wait for me at the top. Sorry. (laughs) So my... One minute here is for beginner athletes, I guess my biggest suggestion to you is keep an open mind and understand that a lot of what you are going to see, a lot of what you are going to learn is really counterintuitive. 
and it's hard. You're going to want to hit that hill at 500 watts, and it's really hard to stop yourself. But as a beginner, if you eventually want to be that veteran athlete, you're going to have to do a lot of things that are uncomfortable that aren't going to seem right at first and, and try them, learn them, make those mistakes and discover what does work. For the veteran athlete, you, by this point, know yourself. Your challenge is to know what you've been doing that works for you because when you find things that work, you want to hang on to them. But also be able to identify the things that you've been doing that either are just habit or that are no longer working for you and keep the things that work and be willing to throw out and, and change the rest. Yeah, I think to follow up on that, it sounds to me like the beginner, the one of the fundamental principles here would be patience. Don't expect, you might want to hire a coach because you want to just go fast and you want that to happen overnight. But to do it right, to do it effectively, to do it without injuring yourself, you got to have some patience. On the flip side, I think we didn't really talk too much about the concept with veterans of humility. We talked about veterans coming to the table, to coming to the relationship with, oh, they know themselves, they know this, they know that. I think, maybe not always, but sometimes there should be a bit of humility, as in, I don't know everything, so I'm going to listen to the coach. That's why I'm hiring this coach, because they might know something else that I don't know, or they might know something that I'm doing that we could tweak just a little bit, or we could radically change, and it could make huge gains or help me make huge gains. So having a little bit of open-mindedness, humility, whatever you want to call it about that, and and, and working on the process thereof uh, would be helpful. And that, and that would be two things I would add here. Mel, you want to finish us up here? I think what Chris said is true, like that humility also exists in the coach. So um, as a coach, I know that I can learn a lot from a variety of athletes too, because their experiences are valid. And similarly, everybody's goals and reasons why they want to train are valid. You ultimately have the decision on on how much accountability you expect from and to your coach, but everybody's journey and reasons and approach to training and racing is um, is valid, valid, and you get to choose. Well, that was a great discussion. Thanks to Mel. Thanks to Ryan. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Grant. Thanks for having us, Chris and Trevor. An interesting and, and spirited discussion, as always. Well, thoroughly enjoyed having you. And uh, sorry, Grant isn't here to say goodbye. He had to go eat some emergency grape nuts. Grape nuts. <laughs> he was bonking, just talking that much. That was another episode of Fast Talk. As always, we love your feedback. Email us at fasttalk at fastlabs.com or record a voice memo on your phone and send it our way. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review. Sign up for our newsletter. Find out what Ryan Kohler, Coach Kohler, is up to next by signing up for our newsletter at fastlabs.com. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. For Coach Connor, for Coach Ryan Kohler, for Coach Grant Hawkey, and for Coach Melanie McQuaid, I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening.